Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. I've got a story to tell you. We have a very important guest, but I want to tell you this story because it's hilarious. Okay, hurry Okay. Up. Is this uh, about Boston? Or it is about Boston, yes. We, we want to thank our listeners for bearing with us through our week off. Indeed, yes. You were in Boston. Yeah. I was in the home of Super Bowl champion New Orleans Saints, New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> yes, I was in Boston, and, uh, and this was a fun experience because I was in Boston for a day and a half. Uh-huh. And while, and thankfully, while I was there, I had an experience that, in my view, is the essence of Boston. I'd never been there before, but everything that you've heard about it, I experienced in about, like, ten seconds. I was in my hotel room. Uh, Jen was asleep. And uh, this was mid-afternoon, by the way. Uh-huh. Not late at night or anything. Uh, and I was uh, on the computer. And then I hear outside... Uh, in the street. Now, it might have been a joke. Jokes aren't usually screamed at the top of their lungs. I heard somebody... Did someone say, how do you like them apples? Uh, well, I guess that is the <laughs> essence of Boston. Um, but uh, no, somebody yelled, God damn it, fight me! <laughs> and it just... And it was the funniest thing ever because I then I had like the, the bonus of getting to... Uh, construct the situation and what and a bostonian was wanted to fight and was so furious that this other guy was he literally fight making like the, the I boston have to, celtics like. i have to assume he was going the notre dame, notre dame uh, fighting Irish, yeah, yeah the inward uh, fist but uh, it was really exciting Wait, he used the n-word what n-word you In- said inward the inward oh jeez. okay <laughs> this is what happens when we take a break. Uh, David just says terrible jokes that. Well, I luckily make. we've got a, we've got a crutch this episode. We should. <laughs> we don't we don't we yeah. don't really have to bring it, Tyler, because we've got. Uh, I'll just kick back and uh, yeah, it's fine. We've got literally top five funniest people on the planet. Okay, all right, is, that, is here in the room with enjoying us. Enjoying that. Okay, so so be prepared to live up to that. So, yeah, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. I'm, well, I only have to live up to number five, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I also, I don't know if this is, uh, th- thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you for being uh, here. I, I've listened to it many times. Um, <laughs> uh, that is true. I've really? listened to it many times. Yes, indeed. Is that uh, actually I, true? I enjoy the cinema <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and the discussions uh, thereof. Um, I did not know, and maybe you can tell me this is not a regular thing. Okay. I didn't realize every podcast begins with Tyler looking down at the floor and shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that for good luck? Yes. Or is that, is that, that just is. tonight? That is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I start out by saying a very boisterous hello. Um, right. Which I don't question unless there's a guest. And then, I totally know what you mean. And then, and then I, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, yeah. I just look ridiculous yeah. now. <laughs> I forgot I do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I go into, you know, we just have a, just a good, in, you know, indoor voices. Mm-hmm. And then I have to stop and just go into character or something. Put on your just, podcast voice. Mm-hmm. Ex- exactly. We yeah. all have our podcast voices. Yeah, yeah. And David, uh, David's has been... Uh, uh, complimented many times mine was called soothing which i've come to take as boring um <laughs> because somebody on uh, my other podcast mentioned like oh sleepy listeners be careful not to listen <laughs> and i was like hey that's you know i can read this right it was terrible but now, uh, people only knew that in real life mm-hmm. you sound like arnold stang uh <laughs> 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 it's, an, it's an old Old reference. Okay. Is this person in movies? Yeah, he was okay. a guy. He was like one of these guys that talked like this. <laughs> Arnold Stang. <laughs> he 
He was like uh, the Eddie Deason of his day, right. I guess, uh, way back when. There you the go. Deason before Deason. Eddie Deason. Now you're in our wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> Children of sure. the 80s. Sure. Yeah. No, I had to, uh, exactly. <laughs> you guys, your, your uh, film nerd knowledge starts in the 80s and then continues. Sure. Oh, my. With occasional stop and like, uh, you know, like eraser head or something in the 70s. <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, now, actually, Paul, you, speaking of uh, comments for podcasts and such, mm-hmm. you recently got into the, uh, the podcasting game yourself. I threw my hat into that cyber <laughs> ring. With the Pod F Tomcast. That's correct. Which, uh, well done on that name. <laughs> I was, Thank you. I, imagine I was quite pleased with that. Coming up with that name was the reason that it, that it kept being delayed, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I coasted on the name for a while. <laughs> right. First I, first I revealed the name, mm-hmm. let everybody soak that in. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, half a year later, I finally made, <laughs> made the podcast. When Now, if, if, if it was me and my name was Paula Tompkins and I came up with that, it's... I would say, like, oh, if I did a podcast, it'd be called this. Ah, shoot. Now I have to do one so everyone can say it all <laughs> exactly. the time. Exactly. What if somebody else said it before <laughs> me? Right. <laughs> I know. you gotta get, you got to get it out there. Yeah. You can't be the only Paul F. Tompkins uh, in the world. Oh, can't I? <laughs> what, what can I do about that? Because I'd like to be. I think dropping the H in the last name is the way to uh, ensure that you're the only one with that spelling. You know, you would think. But oh, okay. uh, no one seems to be aware that, uh, <laughs> that there's no I, H in, there's no H in my last name. <laughs> for, for your listeners who have absolutely no idea who I am, uh, I am a comedian. Yes. Um, and uh, I released a podcast that I uh, had threatened to release, <laughs> I think, in February of this year and then finally released in August of this year. <laughs> but I had I got married. I had mm. uh, congratulations. On thank that. you very much. Uh, so life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. That's what John Lennon said. Absolutely. Right. Look what happened to him. Well, speaking of our <laughs> listeners who don't know you, let's let's get to know you. You are mm. uh, you're from uh, Philadelphia, right? That is Philadelphia, true. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Home of Todd Glass, another resident of the top five funniest <laughs> people. <laughs> that is, oh, we're narrowing them down. Oh, jeez. Oh, so I've geographically. Got a, I've got a list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, could, I could fill it out if you want. Bill Cosby. Is Bill Cosby from Philadelphia? Oh, indeed. Famously so. Didn't make the cut. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know <laughs> listeners are wondering. Oh, is this yeah. of all time? No, this is uh, currently. Oh, currently. Oh, okay. Currently. Yes. Did, do you want to hear the Cosby other three? Did not make the, the, the other three? I'm trying to it's, think. It's Louis C.K., Maria Bamford, and Bill Burr. Those are wow. That is uh, that is heady company. <laughs> I thank you very much. That is high praise indeed. Hmm. <laughs> well, let's not. I don't want to spend my time speculating on everyone else. I just want to. Now I'm just busy thinking of other Philadelphia comedians. <laughs> is Dennis Miller from Philadelphia? No, he's from Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is there a rivalry there? Uh, I think maybe more on the Pittsburgh side than on the <laughs> Philadelphia side. We don't, in Philadelphia, you don't think too much about Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh is very upset about Philadelphia being mentioned. Yes. Like, um, I think Hillary Clinton, when she was campaigning, she went there and met, said something about the Phillies because they were they just won the World Series mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy. She was in, well, no, she wasn't in Pittsburgh. She was in... Uh, some other place in western Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and she had no idea that there's a wide, wide gulf between mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and uh, that's it. That's the mm-hmm. only two cities. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's also... Uh, Allentown. Al- <laughs> sure, Allentown. <laughs> uh, Harrisburg, our state Bethlehem. Capital. Bethlehem, that's right. 
Um, so, yeah, anywhere outside of Philadelphia to mention the Phillies, you're not going to get a good response. I've never okay. been to Pennsylvania, but Robbie the Keystone Folks, State. Robbie Folks has a song about Scrapple in which he name checks a bunch of small towns, and that's where I knew those. I was going to say, I was actually quite impressed. <laughs> have um, you guys ever had Scrapple? I never have. No. Mm. It's delicious. Scrapple is, but that's one of those regional foods that if you're not from that region, you might not enjoy. Because my wife, who's from the South, does not like it at all. Really? Mm-hmm. But she likes boiled peanuts, which is just <laughs> wet peanuts. <laughs> I've heard of that. Yeah, Scrapple is delicious. It is a, it's a, basically, it's all the stuff that's not good enough to put in a hot dog. Oh, okay. And then it's compressed into a, a brick. Mm-hmm. And then you slice up pieces of this brick and you fry it. And it's, uh, it's absolutely delicious. Hmm. I, I think in that terrible late period John Waters film... A Dirty Shame. Uh, Tracy oh, I never even heard of that one. Uh, is this after Cecil B. Demented? Oh yes. My, yes. This was, Dirty <laughs> Shame was what, 03, 04? Uh, maybe even 05. Uh, I believe it has Johnny Knoxville, right? Uh-huh. And wow. uh, yeah, is, I would is say like the one thing Carmen I'm Electra or one of one those of them people, like a Jenny <laughs> yeah. McCarthy. I think of, it's Jenny McCarthy. Uh, but uh, at the beginning, Tracy Ullman is making Scrapple in the kitchen. Baltimore, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so okay, we've established where you're from. Yes, and are, we're, make, uh, we're making great time. Are, are, are you are you a sports fan? A Philadelphia sports fan? I am not a sports guy at okay. all. I'm always happy when the hometown teams win, but I do not follow sports. You think the Flyers are going to no. do well this year? Sure, they are. Yeah, I don't even know what sport that is. <laughs> the Broad Street Bullies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember all my sports knowledge is from the '70s. <laughs> That's the last time I paid attention when I was a child. Um, Greg Lazinski, the Bull. <laughs> so let's talk about comedy. How did you get into comedy? Oh, uh, I got into comedy right out of high school. It was something that I always wanted to do, uh, but I just didn't have any idea how to go about it. And a friend of mine who was a couple years older um, was coming back from college uh, in Arizona, and he had done stand-up out there and asked me if I wanted to get an act together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did like a two-man kind of we kind of did like sketches, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and that got me into it. And then... Um, uh, he went off to Chicago to do uh, improv, and mm-hmm. I kept doing it by myself. I hastily cobbled together a solo act, and just I loved it and been mm-hmm. in love with it ever since. Um, and then this is going to be skipping ahead, perhaps too much, but uh, I wanted to discuss it because it's something that's available for people to see. Um, the show, The Root of All Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching it on the Netflix Watch instantly. And uh, I had heard about it just in general. I realize I've skipped ahead a solid 20 years. <laughs> oh, that's, I apologize. That's fine. That is um, fine. We can go back and talk about Mr. Show, but eh, people already know about <laughs> it. It's fine. Um, but The Root of All Evil, uh, it really, I enjoyed it as much as, as I think, uh, this is going to sound more insulting than I meant for it to, as much as a person can. Uh, it, seemed, it seemed maybe a little overproduced personally, uh, in my opinion. But uh, but I thought like the attorneys, which mm-hmm. invo- included uh, you and Andy Kindler and uh, Andy Daly and Pat Oswalt and uh, several others, uh, it looked like uh, you guys were just having an absolute blast. And, yeah, uh, that was that was a really fun show to work on. Lewis mm-hmm. Black hosted it. Uh, he's the nicest guy in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, all the comics all knew each other, and we were all. Um, you know, sort of arguing these cases. The, the The idea of the show was that it was a, a comedy debate show. We were going to mm-hmm. take these issues, pit them against each other. We were in, uh, given the, the charge of uh, either defending or, or prosecuting them. Um, the thing that I think was, was missing from the show uh, was 
more interaction between mm-hmm. us. And I think that's what the show sort of promised people was going to happen, mm-hmm. that you were going to see a comedy debate. We're going to put these things on trial. Yeah. Then what it ended up being was a little more compartmentalized where, um, okay, here's my segment and then there's your segment. And then right. there's a little bit of back and forth, but not that much. And I think that's the reason it ultimately didn't last was that, mm-hmm. That you kept wanting to see that you wanted to see yeah. people go at each other in a funny way, mm-hmm. and it just never really happened as much as you thought it was going to. You know, I also felt like it was it was billed as like Lewis Black's the root of all evil, and it yeah. wasn't. I don't think it was the best forum for him. He seemed yeah. he seemed kind of reined in. No, it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, I wonder if it almost would have been better if Lewis was a sort of permanent. Uh, uh, you know, comedian on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, the other three people might, or, or the other people might change, but um, Lewis is always there, and you have to kind of do battle against Lewis mm-hmm. rather than Lewis presiding over it. You know, yeah. Maybe we'll take another shot at it now that <laughs> I've, uh, I've restructured the show, did a little rejiggering right here on the spot. But it is, it is, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily the best show, but there's a lot of really great laughs in there. I laughed quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoyed uh, specifically the Gen X versus Baby Boomers episode. Is that me and Daly? I that think? was you and Andy Daly. Yeah. yeah, boy, that was a lot of fun. It certainly seemed seemed to be. We, and uh, I, I love Andrew Daly, who is. Uh, mm-hmm. um, a fantastic comedic actor, uh, mm. uh, an improviser out of uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade. People mm. would know him from uh, a million things, but probably most recently um, uh, Eastbound and Down on HBO. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's just tremendous and, and so much fun to be around. And mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, a, a, it's a joy just to watch him work. You mm-hmm. know, even if I had just been hanging out that episode would have been uh, would have been enough for me. I recommend people pick up his album, Nine Sweaters. Yes, oh, yes very much. You can so get it good. at store.aspecialthing.com. So good. Run by our friend Matt Belknap. A, a really rare thing. It's it's unique that he, he it's characters. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's him doing nine different characters. That's the that's the thing that he does, and it's uh, uh, if you're having a hard time kind of imagining how that would work on a CD, then just mm-hmm. go buy the CD and yeah. And each one we'll is sorry. Each one is very uh, very distinct from the others, and that I think absolutely. Because I remember all another difficult thing to pull off. Plus, it's two discs, and each one has a bonus track. So there's really (laughs) eleven sweaters, which I (laughs) two bonus sweaters. I didn't buy that one. I bought it on iTunes, so I didn't get the bonus. Let's talk about our guest. Indeed, good call. Yes, well done, David. Yes, (laughs) I always like to deflect and talk about other people. (laughs) So uh, other things that people might know you from, uh, certainly Mr. Show. I Mm. think is Mr. uh, Show with Bob and David, uh, HBO sketch show from the uh, milestone in people. People our age and what we, mm-hmm. uh, people, cool people our age, smart people our age, <laughs> right. and what right, we understand right. comedy to be. It's, yeah. uh, I, I think it, I think Mr. Show is ranked with sort of, it goes sort of chronologically like Monty Python, Kids in the Hall. Mm-hmm. Mr. Show is another one of those milestones. So how did that yeah. come to be and how was that experience? That was um, a, an amazing experience that I am probably just now able to process, you know, because at the time it was very... Uh, it was very heady and just crazy that, um, you know, I had just moved to Los Angeles. I've been doing stand-up for about eight years in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Um, nothing was going on for me in Philly, and it was time to make a move. And I wanted to get involved in TV and film and everything. So mm-hmm. came out to L.A. Uh, I met up with um, Jay Johnston, mm-hmm. uh, uh, improviser out of Chicago. He and I had a mutual friend in Adam McKay, who at mm-hmm. that time I think was taking over as head writer on SNL. 
uh, Saturday Night Live. I don't mean to throw any industry jargon out there at the audience. So um, I had known Adam in Philadelphia. Adam moved to Chicago. That's where he met Jay. Adam uh, said to Jay when he was moving out to L.A., you should look up this guy, Mm -hmm. uh, Paul F. Tompkins. I think you guys would hit it off. Mm -hmm. And we met. And we hit it off immediately, which never, ever happens. But um, we started working together, writing sketches together. Uh, We put up a live sketch show, and uh, it was seen by um, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, who were just starting their second season of um, Mr. Show on HBO. And uh, they hired us as as writers and performers on that show. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the most amazing thing, because I had seen... uh, the live versions of Mr. Show and then that first season and to to for my first big job in show business in 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 Hollywood, you know, to be working on that show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spoiled me to such an insane degree, you know, but I I I'm so uh grateful and and lucky that that was my first job because I mm-hmm. learned so much about writing comedy from from working with those guys. Mm. The show does have kind of a, even if even if the specific each each specific sketch isn't exactly like this, the show in general had so, sort of a seemed to have sort of a manic quality to it uh, that made me feel like man, to work on this would be incredibly fun, but also incredibly taxing. Like it seems like it would take a lot out of everybody, but it would be so it would be really worth it because of the end, end result. I, I will. It's funny that you say that. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think you're, I think you're right. Because when I, when I think of it, that there, there's, there's a lot of energy to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, there's no, even the slowest sketches on the show are <laughs> yeah. pretty, like people talk pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we had such a short time period to write the show. And then we were all acting in it as mm-hmm. well. That by the time the writing was done and it was just time to act, I think everybody was just going out of their minds. You know, mm-hmm. like they were thrilled that <laughs> now, now it's the easy part. You know, um, we don't have to think about anything anymore. Actors um, are cattle. Yeah, especially because yes, we are cattle. We accept it. Um, the 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 way that show was structured, all the ske- there was a big Monty Python influence on that mm-hmm. on that show, and so all the sketches led into each other. So the thing that we would get stuck on was writing the the links mm-hmm. from one scene to another, uh, two completely different scenes. How are we going to link them together? And those links had to be little tiny sketchlets all on their own mm-hmm. it, because we didn't want to cheat, you know. Yeah. And I think we, I gotta say, I, I'm. I think we probably only really cheated what we would consider cheating a couple times in mm-hmm. all the years, in the four years that that show happened. Um, now I've got we, to watch them all again. And yeah, yeah. Time yeah you might, and we might disagree on what the cheat was. And I, I you know, I might say, no, you don't understand. Paul, we I counted 38 really cheats. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, that was the, that was the tough thing, man. It was like, there were so many late nights where it was, oh, these Fucking links! One who <laughs> really painted ourselves into a corner with these links, <laughs> but it was—it was so satisfying. Mm-hmm. It was so satisfying when the links would get big laughs, and and when when you when you could tell, wow, that thing really stood on its own yeah. as as a little sketch. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was an amazing feeling. Um, um, there's only a couple more things that I want to get to yeah, before yeah. we get to the topic. Uh, one I want to talk about that I think will be of interest, of course, to people who listen to podcasts or radio shows mm-hmm. is the best show on WFMU and your sort of relation to it. I mean, you're, you've mm-hmm. become, 
I don't know who I, don't, I haven't kept kept track of who's been a guest most often <laughs> on that show, but you've got to be up there. How did I think that happen? I'm up there, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that? Ha- like, how did you become friends with Tom Sharpling? How did I met Tom? I would say probably the first time in 2004, and. Uh, we met through. Uh, he was he was at a he was in Los Angeles. He was at a bar in Los Angeles. I was there with some friends. He was there with some other friends. I was on my way out, and um, I went over the table because I knew some people there, and we met very briefly, and that was it. I didn't see him again until um, I went and did a show in New York, and hung out with him for a little bit afterwards. We chatted for a bit, um, and then he sent me the first uh, CD that he and his. Mm-hmm. Uh, his comedy partner, uh, John Worcester, did together a thing mm-hmm. called Rock, Rot, and Rule, which is this really, really funny uh, extended sketch that they did mm-hmm. on, on uh, Tom's radio show um, that is uh, supposed to be the uh, – this guy <laughs> calls up Tom's show, and uh, he's supposed to be the ultimate argument settler. Uh, he's written this book called Rock, Rot, and Rule. It's the ultimate argument settler, and it's just like – these arbitrary ideas of who rocks, who rots, and who rules. It gets into weird <laughs> distinctions between rocking and ruling and you know, it's and it's obviously it causes more arguments than yeah, it, right. than it settles and uh you know, there were people that called in and thought it was a real guy and, you know, yeah. all this sort of thing. And and uh, uh so I I had that in my possession for about a year probably before mm-hmm. I listened to it. And then it became my new favorite thing. And I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot that I didn't listen to this sooner. <laughs> um, so then Tom and I started uh, uh, emailing after that, I think. And and, uh, and then we just de- developed a friendship from there. And then um, I started calling into the show every once in a while. And, and it's still like it's nerve wracking for me because I, I love that show so much. And Tom is one of my closest friends. But I still feel... Uh, like a fan of that show when I call into the show <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think I don't want to overstay my welcome. You know, like I can't, I'll call, I, I remember thinking if I call once a month, that's okay, <laughs> but I can't call any more than once a month, you know, because people will start to dislike me and I will drag the show down And because right. I would, any anytime I would call into the show and it's, you know, me and Tom are just kind of shooting the breeze and, and, you know, riffing with each other. I would always hang up the phone and think, that was not funny. <laughs> that was not funny. And Tom is going to be mad. And uh, the audience is going to hate me. And then I would listen back to it and I would think, oh, that was okay. That was, I don't, at the time it feels so much, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel, it, it's so, uh, it's so important to me at the mm-hmm. time um, that I think, because, you know, Tom is so funny and uh, I am in, uh, I, I'm such a fan of his that I just think, well, I'm not, I'm not being as funny as Tom is being. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the point of my even calling? So then I get off the phone and I think, yeah, that was dumb. I shouldn't have called. <laughs> <laughs> well, people can uh, people who don't know can listen to the best show on WFMU online at the, or yeah. or download the podcast. Yeah, and I I don't think this episode is uh, is available any longer. But uh, it was it was an interaction between you and Tom that made me aware of something that I comp- did not know about at all in the world. I think I might know what you're about <laughs> to say. Called the Gathering of Juggalos. Right. <laughs> it's not available on the podcast feed, but it's still archived on the website. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. You can yes. listen yes. to it if you um, if you're one of the lucky few who has downloaded Real Player, oh. which is <laughs> an, an exclusive piece of software. You can do a you can do a pop up uh, pop out right. video uh, uh, audio player now. And that thing, uh, <laughs> it was because I've gone back and listened to that section a few times. Yeah. 
and uh, it became boy, quite oh popular. Boy. It's and rightfully so. Yeah, uh, and it led me to just uh, really there. Every once in a while, so I will become aware of a thing and then immerse myself in it for about two days. Yeah, <laughs> and then be like, okay, I need to talk to my wife and that kind of thing. And uh, the juggalo culture. Uh, which was uh, further elaborated upon uh, on Mike Schmidt's podcast when he talked about uh, uh, getting, uh, I think, something thrown at him or getting hit on the back of the head by one of the insane I think it, I believe posse. it was Violent J who smacked him Violent on the side J- of the head. Yes, yes. Hardly surprising. I right. know. He should have. You can't turn your back Wait, on him. Where was Mike when this was? I believe this was when he was, he, was, he was bouncing at the House of Blues. Yeah. And so, like, they put down, they had put down, like, plastic for all the Fago that was yeah. going to be all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, so, him ta- telling that story, <laughs> then rekindled. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, that's I fine. To, I don't mean to derail us with Mike's story. Did this happen from the stage? Did Violent J hit Mike? Yes, from- yes. He was, he was positioned, well, he was one of the people charged with keeping the juggalos off the stage. Sure. <laughs> And uh, he, he, he threw one of the juggalos back into the crowd. Yeah. Violent J didn't like this treatment of his. <laughs> You know his people, and so right. he smacked Mike in the side of the head from the stage, and then proceeded to tell while rapping. So that's oh, that's uh, he's you know he's that, a that takes a man. <laughs> he's like a double threat. Anyway, he uh, and he also encouraged everyone like, hey, whoever gets past this guy or whoever like does whatever whatever terrible thing to this guy, it, you know, can join us in a song or whatever the hell it is. Like really inciting wow. people to do terrible things. And so it kind of it got my uh, interest back up in uh, <laughs> sure. in the gathering of the juggalos, sure. and uh, I think didn't somebody get hurt? At Te- the most Tequila recently? Tequila got. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, if, if that counts. Yeah, <laughs> if that, if that is somebody. A, a somebody. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for you and Tom. Uh, <laughs> just really because. I think I think why that was so fun for me is because I was discovering it li- right along with you. And <laughs> oh yeah, and it's a horrifying discovery for for the listener. We we someone had sent Tom. They had emailed him a link to this uh, video that was a, an ad for the the tenth annual gathering of the Juggalos, yeah. where all fans of the uh, Insane Clown Posse can go and uh, be away from the rest of the world. <laughs> and um, so we started watching this. YouTube clip, and we stopped almost immediately. Like, we have to wait until the show. We can't watch this now let's just, because we knew, like from the very beginning, it's crazy. It's like let's let's experience it. Let's experience this in real time. We do not want to be prepared at all. And uh, it, that was, and so we listen to the thing, and and we just lose it on the air. And yeah. it's uh, that is one of my favorite things that has ever happened in my life. <laughs> well. This interview portion is going a little bit long. There's one more thing I want to talk about. It's okay. not at all comedy related. Okay. But something that you're I think, known- I think it's going along because I feel the need to explain everything. I, need, I feel the need to explain to the audience who I am <laughs> and why, why anyone would care about me. And, and oh. my, my instinct is... Wasn't like my, you, my referring to you as one of the top five funniest people in the world. I mean, I'm a bit of an authority among people who listen to the show. Oh, oh so I didn't know. Your word is good enough for these people. It right. really is. Okay. It really is. <laughs> all right. They're kind of like our... Uh, we got to come up with something for like the BP equivalent of Juggalos. Or or clones, Jim Jim Rome calls exactly. his listeners. We got, clones. We'll come up with something off air. Um, anyway, or <laughs> ditto heads. That's, oh yes, that's indeed. What, those are Rush Limbaugh listeners. That clones is chilling. I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Rome calls his listeners. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And no. the cl- um, no good. The Sklar, our, our friends, the Sklar brothers, um, often fill in for Jim Rome. Are you he's friends gone. with both of them? Really? <laughs> They've been on the show a couple times. We do favor one over the other. They know. <laughs> Randy, of course, he's yeah. the nice one. Um, 
<laughs> when the, the 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 clones who are specifically fans of the Sklar brothers are called Sklones. Yeah. Um, sounds, that's a little better, actually. Which yeah. sounds, it sounds delicious. It does. <laughs> Let me tell you this. I was talking, <laughs> I was talking with somebody the other day about scones and how they're kind of a ripoff because uh, you think it's going to be a nice baked treat, mm-hmm. but they're really heavy yeah. and greasy, and it, it feels like a punch in the stomach. <laughs> as soon as you stop eating it, like, oh, yeah. what happened? <laughs> And I think I had to eat three scones in my lifetime before I realized, no, never again. Yeah. Fool, fool me three times, scones. Well, I've come to put uh, scones alongside, like, hash browns in the in the area of hangover breakfast. Sure. <laughs> um, one more thing I want to talk about. Like, we were talking before we recorded, we recently had Jesse Thorne on the show to talk mm-hmm. about, uh, we were talking about male cinematic style icons. Yeah. yeah. And something that you're known for, mm-hmm. I'd say first known for being one of the top five yeah, funniest people in the world. Yeah, Jesse has decided he's okay. known for it. Right. All of a sudden. <laughs> But uh, uh, so a top five funniest. That's the main thing you're known for. <laughs> <laughs> B is for your uh, impeccable style of dress. Mm-hmm. I like to dress up. I'm a, bit, I'm a bit of a dandy. It's true. Um, did that did that come from uh, a sort of showmanship place, or were you always interested in style? That is it exactly. When I ever since I was a kid, um, I liked to uh, to dress up because I was. I, I I just always wanted to be a performer, and so it was always like a, a costume thing for mm-hmm. me. And but also I I'm from I'm old enough that um, the Tonight Show that I watched was the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. and that was the sort of the the as the old guard was phasing out and the new show business was coming in. So I got to see. Uh, the the transition from when when I was a little kid, everybody wore suits and ties to mm-hmm. be on television. Mm-hmm. You know, you did not go on the Tonight Show uh, wearing a t shirt. You know, it was right. like everybody dressed up because it was all like people like Johnny's age. And then I started to see more people uh, that were younger on there, and I saw that transition happen. But you still, I think, when, when as long as Johnny Carson hosted the Tonight Show, I think you still had to dress up to mm-hmm. be on that show, like. I think it became a thing where they they started having to tell people like uh-huh. by the way uh, you can't wear dungarees on uh, <laughs> on Johnny's maybe they show. just had like a collection of sport coats and just like w- yeah, maybe like a just restaurant select one of these yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like a fancy restaurant <laughs> uh, would Sir care to put on a jacket <laughs> um, but when I when I was but when I was a kid like a little kid and I was fantasizing about being in show business uh, everybody that I saw on television was dressed up and so. It was just always in my head that that was part of it, mm-hmm. and so when I started stand up, it was not it was not unheard of for uh, comics to wear coats and ties, um, and that's how long I've been around. That it's now it's like a thing that I'm known for. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I once I once that happened, and and it when uh, the la- when I saw that the landscape had kind of changed, I started getting a little bit uh, more. Uh, flamboyant with it, you mm-hmm. know, and not just uh, to. So it didn't look like uh, I was a, a guy who worked at a bank. You know? <laughs> right. I, I wanted to keep that show business element of it, and mm-hmm. I started to seek out kind of um, unique and, and odd, uh, you know, stuff to wear. Well, it's 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 very much appreciated among the fans. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh, it's also very the- few people thank me for it. <laughs> <laughs> when I first moved to Los Angeles, I lived very near uh, the UCB Theater, and I moved here just a couple of months after it, it opened its doors, and I would see you there all the time, 
And then one time, I was just a fan, so uh, I still am just a fan. It's not like we're buddies now. Um, <laughs> no, the holy bonds of the comp- of the podcast <laughs> right. have bound us together. Um, but I was shopping at uh, my neighborhood grocery store, the Mayfair Market, which Absolutely. is no longer called that, sadly. I still call it that, though. Good, me too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I and I saw you there, and you weren't. It's not like you were dressed down. You were wearing like a nice sweater, but it was like <laughs> right. mind blowing to me. It was so jarring. Oh man, people have seen me at that market in uh, gym clothes, <laughs> and I, the comedian Steve Ag, uh, <laughs> saw me there one time, and uh, almost walked right past me, which happens a lot. I've had people when I'm not dressed up. I've had people that I know that I know and have spent significant time with, like real walk buddies, right not like. Fake buddies, like us. <laughs> not podcast buddies. <laughs> but yeah, he saw me in uh, in like a t shirt and shorts, and uh, and I had just come from the gym, like sweaty and mm-hmm. you know like bike helmet under my arm, you know, and uh, I there was like something in his face where it was like <laughs> he was really not like he was trying to process it like he was an ape or something, but <laughs> he was really looking at me like I can't uh, compute what this looks like to me. <laughs> It's, and, I mean, not. knowing Steve Agee, he was decked out at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and actually, and and what's interesting, and I guess this could kind of uh, uh, transition us into film a little bit. Oh, um, my God. Here we go. I know. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, I didn't plan this. It just worked out. Um, but you're, you're, you know, being someone who's known for dressing up, uh, when, you, <laughs> when you showed up in There Will Be Blood... <laughs> I showed up as the perfect way to put it. <laughs> because I, I absolutely I, showed up in that movie. Because, I mean, it really feels... It, okay, not to cast aspersions on your performance, but it really does seem like, oh, well, what's comedian Paul F. Tompkins doing in this movie? Because it looks like he probably provided his own wardrobe and oh, yeah. just kind of walked on, Yeah, and that's how I know you is looking like that. I have, I have told people I... Uh, I uh, arrived at that set uh, dressed not entirely unlike the character. <laughs> I, I, th- there was a minimal difference between the clothes I showed up wearing and the clothes they gave me to wear. Um, and it, uh, they it did cut my laugh. hair though. They did give me an old timey haircut. It looked very old timey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was like one of those shave around the sides kind of things, yeah. and then mm-hmm. just stick a bunch of glue. Oh, in the, it. the back of the haircut looked very old timey. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> most of what you see. Yeah. That's when I'm in focus. <laughs> right. You see the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> because it is it is strange to people that uh, that that know you uh, as a comedian or or you know host of uh, Best Week Ever or whatever mm. um, to see. You know, that sideways shot of Daniel Plainview, and there's comedian Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> comedian and television host Paul F. Tompkins, looking right. very intently yeah. at uh, what he's saying. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very strange. It's nuts. Yeah, I had no business being in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the most exciting things uh, of my entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had been um, uh, cast in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's, uh, one of his previous films, Magnolia. Mm-hmm. I had a very, very small part. And I was actually shot and everything, but it ended up being cut out. Mm-hmm. And um, you can still hear my voice in the film. I, okay, I yeah. talk on the phone to Philip Seymour Hoffman in the scene where Jason Robards is oh, dying right. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and the dogs are barking and, and he's running around on the phone. And he's trying to get a hold of Tom Cruise's character. Mm-hmm. And so he talks to me. Um, and uh, so you can still hear my, my voice in there. Um, so... Paul told me he had to cut me out, which I totally understood. And he said, I'll make it up to you. And then a couple of years go by and he's uh, getting ready to do There Will Be Blood. And About uh, eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess. <laughs> but that's 
I, I will tell you that is a thing of living in Los Angeles is <laughs> that I think you totally lose track of <laughs> how long years are. Right. It's like was that a week ago or was that when I first moved here? <laughs> um, uh, that's what not having a, a change of seasons will do for right. you. Is that the years will it, it both adds and subtracts time <laughs> from your life. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's right. Because what was in between was uh, Punch Drunk Punch Love. Drunk Love. Um, was there another one or was that Just it? Just that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he he said, I it's I got this little thing I would love for you to do in uh, There Will Be Blood. It's not much, but it's opposite Daniel Day Lewis. And I said, mm. sure, you know. And it was that was. Such a crazy experience to be <laughs> on set with that guy yeah. who is playing this role. And, no, I mean, I, I had not read the whole script. I'm given, like, a, the, the two pages that involve me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I know very little about this thing. And I I don't know that this is the, the first scene with dialogue mm-hmm. in the movie. I don't know that this is a scene where... He is explaining who he is to mm-hmm. the audience and to these uh, characters um, and uh, that this is going to, to be an iconic performance you know, uh-huh. that he's going to win the Oscar for and that yeah. it's going to be on all these, uh, uh, you know, best of the whatever lists. And uh-huh. that it's, you know, knowing now this is probably going to be a movie that will really stand uh, the test of time, you yeah. know, um, and will be studied and blah, blah, blah. Like, I have no idea, right? <laughs> All I know is this dude is so intense. I have never <laughs> seen anything like this in my life. And as excited as I am to be there, I am kind of scared of him, you know? Um, there was a story, uh, and I, I have never uh, gotten confirmation if this is true or not, about the guy who was supposed to play the preacher that ended up being Paul... Uh, Dano, mm-hmm. um, that he, the original actor, uh, just got freaked out, like couldn't handle it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 intensity of of this of this project of this relationship between these two characters and of Daniel Day Lewis, you know, mm-hmm. as this guy. And uh, like, uh, there's part of me that thinks, well, what this is your job? Like, what, did you never <laughs> think you were going to act opposite anybody good? Like, what, what did you think your career was going to be? As long as I am opposite people that stink, I will have a great show business career. Like, you you would think this is, like, th- this is go time, you know? Like, I'm op- yeah. acting opposite, you know, it's like the tennis analogy that yeah. this guy's going to bring me up mm-hmm. um, because I want to definitely be, you know, going toe-to-toe with him, yeah. e- even knowing that I'm not going to out-act this guy, but... In the trying, I will be better than I ever have been. You mm-hmm. know, that seems to be the way you should approach it. But that said, that dude is intense. And <laughs> hanging around him was like, oh, I, I started to, you know, like, I, I didn't want to look at him. Because I thought, mm-hmm. what if he mistakes eye contact as uh, aggression? <laughs> like a bear, yeah, is what just, you're saying. Yeah, just don't show will, him your teeth. Yeah, then he will slit my belly open and right. feast on my entrails. <laughs> um, but he, my memory of Daniel Day Lewis is... Uh, is him sitting in that chair, like between takes, he would just sit there mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not talk to anybody, not really look at anybody, and occasionally he would just make this noise. <sighs> and it was terrifying. <laughs> How terrifying. long were you there? I was there for two days. I was mm-hmm. there for two days, and uh, um, it was like a day and a night. We mm-hmm. we did, um, I think, the bulk of the... Uh, 
the meeting scene uh, during the day and then the next night um, where I chase him out uh, afterwards. I'm In case people uh, want to know who I am, because here's what I get a lot from people who have seen my name on IMDb. Who are you and there will be blood? <laughs> I am the guy who follows him out of that meeting. Uh, that does not go well at the beginning no. of the movie. Right. Uh, asking him to stay. Spoiler alert, he does not stay. <laughs> um, so that's me chasing him out in the muddy, old-timey street. Um, so, okay, we're talking about movies now, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we... Uh, <laughs> Could not wait for him to finish the anecdote. <laughs> no, I just felt I felt bad that we were doing so much interview stuff, but yeah, you're a fascinating it's character. It's not movies, Absolutely. though. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Um, no, I mean, eventually. I hope your audience gives a fuck about there will be blood. No, that's what I meant. I meant I'm glad that for the past seven minutes or however long it was. Some fun insider stuff from a guy right. who was there for a day and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scared to death of Daniel day That's right. That's right. But um, people know, uh, or I don't know how, how much people, but uh, P.T. Anderson himself is a bit of a comedy fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he can be found at Largo sometimes. Absolutely. Right? Um, and so I imagine that's how you, uh, maybe that's how you got cast in Magnolia. Did he know you as a comedian beforehand? Uh, no, he, he went to Largo. Um, it kind of all happened at the same time. Largo was primarily a music club mm-hmm. that around the time that he was going there started having uh, a comedy night once a week on a night that they were dark. They, on Monday nights, they added comedy and then the comedians and the, musicians all started to get to know each other Mm -hmm. and then we started to perform on each other's shows Mm -hmm. so comics would open for musical acts where we'd have you know uh uh, musicians come out and do a couple songs on a comedy show and uh so that's how i ended up meeting paul Mm -hmm. okay and and um yeah uh pat oswald has a small part Mm -hmm. in magnolia as well Mm -hmm. so that's that's, uh that makes sense now is steven soderbergh a comedy fan did he know Man, why did he cast so many comedians? Me. I to this day I do not <laughs> in know. The we're, we're talking about the movie The Informant. Yeah, which yeah. I uh, actually never saw. But Tyler's been one of my favorite of. movies of last year. Uh, it's, uh, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. It's worth I, checking out. Mm-hmm. It's I, worth I, checking I, I, out. I, I'm not boycotting it. Yeah, no, no, no. But it, it's it's a uh, it's a crazy real story, mm-hmm. and uh, I think because the it it was a it was such an insane story, um, he decided to. Uh, Populate the the supporting roles with comedians, with mm-hmm. uh, people that are associated with comedy in some way. So it's a lot of stand ups that people don't even have, they have no idea who they are. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, like people like me. <laughs> um, and then there's like the Smothers Brothers are in there. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. it's it's a uh, it's a wide ranging uh, pool of of comedic talent that is in this movie in completely straight roles like right. everybody's playing it straight uh the um, aforementioned andy daly yeah and yeah, I think, yeah, uh, yeah yeah Tom he's McHale. in there patton's yeah. in there um uh, the rick overton like it's a it's a huge long list Jimmy Carter was supposed to be yeah yeah, yeah the that's one person even, that wasn't yeah that's that's not <laughs> yeah. even counting the people that i saw at the audition you know mm. that that did not make it into the movie but it's yeah. it's a it's a wild thing and um you know it, I, I I think it was a subtext thing that he was going for, and uh, people criticize that movie uh, for being sort of overtly comedic, you know, mm-hmm. because Matt Damon I think does a great job in this movie. He's playing an insane person. Yes. He's playing a person who is crazy, and he's really funny in the movie. Um, and uh, people were saying, I, I remember hearing people say, I, I wish they would just told that story straight. It's like, well, that's been done a million billion times, yeah. and that's that's the you know the uh, what was the one with um, uh, Russell Crowe, uh, 
The Insider? Gladiator. The Insider. <laughs> gladiator. <laughs> Why not? A funny Gladiator movie for a change. Um, yeah, The Insider. It's like, well, there's a whistleblower story. You know, if you, if you want to see that, mm-hmm. that's, a very, that's, a, that's a very serious <laughs> it's a very serious movie. Yeah, okay? yeah. There's no jokes. So yeah. there you go. Um, they, they did not get Harry Shearer to play uh, Mike Wallace. They got uh, Christopher Plummer. I'm sure Harry Shearer still has his Mike Wallace rubber makeup from SNL, uh, ready to do battle with Nathan Thurm once again. Um, but I, I, I really uh, I, I think that's a, a really odd and funny and enjoyable movie. Um, and it kind of came and went, but I, I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it might find an audience on DVD. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Maybe that's how long does it take for a movie to find an audience on DVD? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the movie. It's one of the like when Scott Pilgrim did poorly in in theaters. Like this is going to do great on DVD. Oh yeah, and uh, apparently Prince of Persia, which did not do well in in. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about Prince of Persia. Yeah, everyone kind of did. <laughs> uh, but in the U.S., worldwide, it did great. But in the U.S., it did very poorly, and it right. just was released, and it's doing. A, astonishingly it's uh, wow so it's wow. Uh, it's very strange and that one puzzles me and uh, yeah, inf- I, I forgot about prince of persia before it came out to the yeah. point i was driving i saw a billboard for it and i was like oh that billboard's still up and i was <laughs> like oh wait it oh, comes out next week i've had that same <laughs> feeling i've had that, that is a crazy mind trip where it's like did that is that billboard up too early or is yeah. it there too late i felt that way about the awful truth that's the one with uh, Gerard Butler. The Ugly Truth. The Ugly Truth. I'm sorry. Yes. The Awful Truth is that terrible Michael Moore uh, show. It's also um, an old silent film, isn't it? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, Screwball comedy. I don't think it's a silent. Oh, it's not silent? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Um, we only we're, named we're, our we're show dar- after a silent film. Yeah. Black, <laughs> black and white equals silent, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, The Ugly Truth, Like I saw those posters... For forever, and I literally had no idea when it came out. Yeah. And uh, by the time it was released, yeah, I yeah. just... Uh, because the poster infuriated me, and so uh, I made note of it. Because well, it okay. didn't make any sense. It well, had a dumb, seemingly yeah. clever tagline that let the X Games begin. No, that was the... No, hang on. That was the Bounty Hunter. Oh, that was I the think. Bounty Hunter. Another Gerard Butler. Wait, which yeah. one was the ugly truth? That's the one that it had like the... <laughs> no! Oh, now the, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Bathroom stall like... Yes, him yeah. and Catherine Heigl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And it, so it's got the bathroom well, stall yeah, thing. Let's get into it. Oh, right? indeed, yes. Um, let's fucking get into this. <laughs> um, the ugly truth is nominally a comedy. Nominally. <laughs> Theoretically, yeah. Um, Paul's idea for a topic, um, last minute... Oh, you pushed idea. this off on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was to talk about the... The the state of film or state of comedy in film right now, which is mm. actually the topic of like our third episode, but that was three and a half years ago. No one's no longer available because it's <laughs> terrible because we were still finding our footing. Um, I believe that was the episode. It was either that one or the next one where one of us told the story. Where you, t- I think you told the story of meeting Pardo at the ArcLight, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was. It, that's why it's kind of embarrassing we took it down because I I was working at the ArcLight when we started the show, yeah. and I had met our podcasting hero Jimmy Pardo. Yeah, and so literally like the first half of an episode, just me and Tyler, yeah. is me geeking out about having met Jimmy Pardo, and then we so had him on not- the show, and then the next episode I talked about meeting Maurice Lamarche, and we had him on the show. Give it time. Yeah, give what time? I don't know. <laughs> Sooner or later, we'll have everyone on the show. Okay. I'm trying to get Margo Martindale. Um, All right, but uh, from but silent movies, what? Hillary <laughs> uh, uh, Swank's the Marx mom, Brothers foe. Hillary oh. Swank's cartoonish mom from from uh, Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar she Baby. was also uh, in the very touching a very touching uh, uh, role in the film 
Parisia Tem. She's a very good actress. I remember very little about Million Dollar Baby, except I did not like it. Oh, my. Yeah. Are you? I but I that's it overall. Does it have about? to do with yeah. assisted suicide? You just it just was too much for I you. I wanted more assisted suicide. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, that's one down. Let's. <laughs> I want all these characters to just help each other no, kill themselves. I, I just felt like, uh, there, like, why did that have to happen? And uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was just that movie was. It seemed like a a needless bum out. That whole movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some movies are 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 sort of. Uh, you know, weepies or whatever, and, and you go there to have uh, a good cry or, or what have yeah. you. And this just seemed like you kind of got my hopes up a little bit, you know, just to heap a bunch of misery on me <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> like, what was the point of this, you know? But I also, I, I am not a huge fan of Eastwood as a director, which mm. I know a lot of people are, but I, I, I've, I finally realized I don't enjoy his movies that much. Yeah? Yeah, they don't, I, they don't stay with me afterwards, you know? I think as, as a director, I... Whether I like his movies or not, I always find him interesting because I think that he has gotten to a point where he's no longer like a vanity type director, like an actor who wants to direct. He's yeah. become a bit of an auteur in his own right. And yeah, yeah, whether yeah. his movies are good or bad, they're still Clint Eastwood films, and I respect that about it. Yes, fair enough. He, and he, I'll even, say this. even Gran Torino, which has has a lot of problems, mm. I, re- I really enjoyed yeah. uh, on the whole. Did you see it, Gran Torino? <laughs> no, I did not. I'll say this. They're very, s- they're very seldom funny. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so uh, so the topic uh, before we uh, literally we said the name of the topic and took a tangent. That one guy <laughs> uh, from iTunes is going to be furious. The, f- <laughs> the first what, uh, way back when you said it was your third episode. You discussed this. I think yeah. about our third. So what what year was that? Two thousand seven. Early two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. So like, what were the comedies that were out at that time? Because I'm interested in seeing how much or how little things have changed since. Yeah, then. I'm trying to think what it, I mean. This would have been two years after. Uh, Forty-year-old virgin. Okay. Yeah. Um, Knocked up would have come out later that year, so knocked up was not. I remember yet. being okay. very upset at uh, the success of Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, and yeah. and because that was that was March, April, roughly. Uh, that was right around the time that I think Epic Movie had like won the box office when it came out, which was infuriating <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, I think we we devoted a lot of that episode to discussing. Is it Seltzer and Friedberg? Is that their yeah, names probably, who make yes. those I those awful so. blank movie? Yeah. Wow. Uh, God love them. Yeah, the t- <laughs> the two guys that I constantly—they're my go-to's. Anytime someone says like, "So do you consider movies to be art?" I'm like, "Oh yes, absolutely." Except for these, <laughs> because these are just uh, commerce and right. purely that. Yeah. So no but attempts you know, at humor at all. That's but that's the thing is that I feel like there's uh, the, where comedy and film is right now is. There's maybe three types of funny movies that are allowed, and mm-hmm. that's it. And you have you have something like a a hilarious Gerard Butler vehicle, <laughs> you know, which is that's uh, totally broad and like it's it's formulaic. It is it's it's one of those um, you know it's based on it happened one night. They're all based on it happened one night. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's so frustrating about the movies that are that follow that formula is the arid. Uh, boring, uh, tedious stretch where the two characters don't like each other. Right. And you're just like, I know these idiots are going to get together. (laughs) Do I have to sit through this? It's like I stopped watching movies on planes because of that, because Mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. You know, it's like I can't I can't be this far ahead of the characters in the movie that I watch. (laughs) You know, it's 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 joyless for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have that. Then you have um, the the sort of Apatow thing yeah um which is really riff heavy it's very um 
uh, dude centric, you know. Yeah. So it's it's the the arrested uh, man child, you know, like the guy who doesn't really have it all together, but he's got a good heart, you know. And yeah. um, eventually he meets this woman who is gonna, you know, she's gonna get him into shape, you know. Like yeah. that's that's how the movie ends. Yeah. Is like with the idea that. All right, I will teach you how to dress, and uh, you know, right. and then you have to be nicer to me, and then we can have a relationship where you get to have sex with me. It's not <laughs> like a film that winds up being insulting to everyone, kind of. In a way, in yeah, a way. yeah, it does. It, it's it's um because it's aimed at a very specific type of person, but it's it's uh, you know I feel like it's a little too forgiving of those mm-hmm. uh, people, where it's like, well, you know what, we should all try harder. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. There, there's. I also feel like there's a, and the third type I think is the stuff that um, uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell do, which is uh, uh, related to that Apatow thing. It's more, I think, it's more structured and more concise, and gets a little, uh, a little headier with the humor, a little, a little more uh, absurdist with the humor. It's not so, it's not as as base, you know. And it's mm-hmm. generally a little higher concept as well. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of just, it's not about relationships per se. Yeah. It's yeah. about an anchorman or yeah. a Ricky Bobby or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's exactly. what I've chosen to call him. That's his name. <laughs> that wasn't his title. But I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, Anchorman has, because it has this sort of uh, just super exaggerated version of the of the time period, mm-hmm. you can, it, it doesn't, it's not as jarring that it's, mm. that it doesn't take place in the reality. Right. Step, Step right, Brothers, right, right. as funny as Step Brothers is, is, it's one that I always point to as being like, That's, this is just weird because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's apparently taking place in a world that I recognize. But yeah. <laughs> these things wouldn't happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that to me is, is a neat thing like the, um, uh, like a, a Wes Anderson almost where it's when I, I kind of like it when a director, I, they don't, I don't, I don't require this mm-hmm. of movies that I see, but I, I do tend to like it when somebody says I'm making my own universe mm-hmm. and everything that, right. that exists in this movie could also exist in my other movie. It's going to be a different movie. Uh, there's going to be recurring themes in what I do, but the way it looks, the way the people act, and the logic of this universe is my universe, you mm-hmm. know. And there's something about that that I, I I don't know. I guess it just it reminds me of uh, playing when you're a kid, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that you 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 know you have uh, you have all your uh, your different characters that um, that cross genres, you know, to get together because like you want to see that, you know, mm-hmm. you want to see uh, GI Joe talking to Batman or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, why can't I, I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody is stopping me, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, I do kind of like that about, about what Adam and will do is, is that I, you know, obviously I, I, I think they're really funny guys, but, uh, I like that. Um, they can do a, a thing like a stepbrothers and say like, yeah, we're going to make a weird universe here that's yeah. sort of based in reality, but not really. Like, yeah, I didn't maybe that was... guy is based in reality. Like <laughs> Richard Jenkins, you know? Right. And then everybody else is in an insane place. Yeah, I, I really liked Step Brothers. Yeah. Although it came uh, on my list of funniest movies of 2008. It came a close second to a movie that I just happened to catch on HBO last night, mm. uh, David Wayne's Role Models, which oh, yeah. I think is one of the funniest movies of the decade. Which I have never seen. It's, oh, my. I've seen it... Uh, just a whole slew of times it, it it's great and it uh it's one that's i guess it it does it, it sort of cro- straddles the line i guess between the apatow and the feral mckay stuff and yeah. also finds its own voice because it's apatow in the sense that it is about kind of like uh meandering guys who are meandering in their late 30s or mid 30s yeah. you know yeah, yeah. uh having to uh grow the fuck up mm-hmm. and then it also has just 
weird stuff like the whole the, uh, Ken Jeong and Matt Walsh's characters and and, John, yeah. and and Jane Lynch and AD Miles like they're those people clearly existed more in the Farrell McKay type of world they're very right. exaggerated but at the end of the day it's its own thing because it's uh, and again I'm going to sound like I'm insulting the whole stepbrothers thing but Role Models is a movie that has a story that mm-hmm. makes sense it has a, an mm. Aristotelian type arc it has themes and real characters and uh it's it, it manages to be successful on sort of all three of those arenas that i just named yeah i think it's there's an interesting uh trend in comedies that i that i like and the trend is both funny and yet i'm conflicted about it mm. so it's very complex uh something like like uh anchorman or i mean you it was in role models it's it's in a lot of these um where the action will you know the the action in the story will just go along and crazy things will happen but then in the midst of it the characters will take i would say like a 30 to 45 second break and kind of comment on what just happened mm-hmm. the the to me the most glaring example is uh in anchorman when uh the big rumble has happened which is very funny and i think right. it's hilarious right. and uh and steve carell kills a man with a trident yeah. and uh <laughs> and and afterwards, they're all uh, everyone okay there. Yeah, we're good. Sorry, sorry. Okay, um, <laughs> took a little break ourselves there. It just um, became time to drink something. <laughs> I think. Yes. But uh, and then after the big rumble, one of the most ridiculous things ever, where someone's getting his arms ripped off and all that. Um, then it cuts to Ron Burgundy and his friends uh, commenting on the rumble, which is incredibly funny. Yeah. Which is just and it, to me. I always latch onto lines that really are only that are funny. I find hilarious, but none of my friends ever. And to me, Dave Keckner being like, "It jumped up a notch," just like really <laughs> saying it very, just just very matter of factly, is like one of the funniest things in the world to me. Yes. But then they, but then uh, Steve Carell says, "I killed a man with a trident." He goes, "I know, I saw that. You might want to leave town for a few days." Like <laughs> he could, he murdered a man, right? And just. And I, I like that. I find it. I mean, we all just laugh now. It's very funny. But part of me is just like, ah, if you're going to, I don't know, if you're going to create the crazy world, I guess just stick to that. But there's a lot of comedy to be had on the realistic consequences of the crazy world. And I'm, and that's the thing. I'm kind of on the fence. Like, part of me yeah. wants them to commit fully. But there's a lot of laughs in uh, those moments. Well, which I think is them, um, you know, I, I think with, with comedy, uh, there are certain there are certain rules that you are allowed to to bend and break and and mm-hmm. you know let the audience because that to me it lets it, it says to the audience we're just fooling around okay come yeah. on we're just you know <laughs> it's like look at his wig you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> you can't all of a sudden say what's going to happen but I totally that's yeah. the kind of thing that. When I was a kid, I would get really frustrated by that. I swear, mm-hmm. I remember watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon <laughs> where, uh, in some at some point in the action, a refrigerator door was opened, and then the refrigerator door was never shut, and they just move on, like the <laughs> mouse and the cat move on. And as a kid, I was like, that refrigerator door is still open. <laughs> Somebody has to close that refrigerator door. <laughs> and it drove me crazy that we never <laughs> saw resolution of that. That would you bother know? me too. So, yeah, I know, I know, so I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But I, the thing for me with, with comedy these days is because uh, there's, um, there's, like, th- there's, 
there's a, a handful of familiar people that are doing all the comedy right now, mm-hmm. right? And it's like a, a handful of really super talented people. Mm-hmm. But because they're in everything and now they're in each other's movies and now all the movies are kind of sharing characteristics, a lot of riffing and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a, a style of, of comedy that is being done in a lot of these movies that I'm just frankly burnt out on, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to see something else. And I, I feel like I'm ready for it to evolve again. And I want to see the next thing that's going to happen mm-hmm. because right now it's like th- those Apatow movies, they were cranking those out from that, from that movie house, you know, mm-hmm. where it was either he was directing them or producing them. And it was a ton of them coming out, you know, mm-hmm. back to back to back. And they, they all ended up making me feel just kind of the same. And it it just kind of made me stop going to the movies for a while. You know, mm. I, I would see the trailer for one of these movies and think, well, I can't. I think that's what happened with role models. Was I saw Paul Rudd and I was like, I like Paul Rudd, but I just saw him. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Like, I, I just saw that guy. Um, and I, I'm kind of ready for the next iteration of film comedy, whatever that's going to be. Well, mm. one of my um, favorite, um, I guess, voices right now although i'm gonna name three people you mentioned scott pilgrim earlier but Shaun of the dead and hot fuzz yep absolutely that's the, it, it's hilarious yeah and it doesn't fit into those things yeah yeah, and yeah mostly because there's a very intense sincerity with those guys there's it, no exactly irony right. they yeah they love what they're doing and they love these things that they're lampooning yeah yeah and 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 also there's legitimate character development in, yeah. in all three of edgar wright's yeah, films yeah, yeah. i i saw i i saw hot fuzz I was really worried about it because I love Shaun of the Dead so much. Where did you see it? I saw it at the Cinerama Dome. I may have been the guy who introduced (laughs) (laughs) the film. This guy said the (laughs) N-word, which I thought was a a bold choice. It wasn't me, but I know who that was. That was a bold... After that movie was over, I just thought, man, what a big difference it makes... Mm-hmm. When you really care about what you do mm-hmm. yeah. and you think about the audience as opposed to, you know, what what happens with, I think, with a lot of these comedies is uh, why did I pay money to watch to watch you have a good time? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I'm supposed to be the person who's entertained here. Yeah. And I it does Ocean's 12. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely. <laughs> and I feel like. You're talking about Paul's friend, Steven Soderbergh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Steve, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, even he will tell you. Um, that was, I remember when they talked about, I, mean, I think Tom Sharpling might have talked about this, when they when they were making Oceans 13 when that was coming out, uh-huh. and they were, uh, you know, all the Oceans uh, gang was saying like, yeah, we felt we owed it to the audience. It's like, mm, should have thought that way when you're making the one you feel that you now have to make up for. Right. You didn't make it in an afternoon. You made it over several months, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At any moment, you could have said, like, hey, wait a second. Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> let's, let's try harder. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I feel like th- what those guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, Simon Pegg and, and Edgar Wright are, are doing uh, with those movies. I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim yet because from what I heard, it was more for kids. Like, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old and I felt <laughs> like from, from what people had told me, it's like that's maybe for younger people. Mm-hmm. I, you know. I, I think I have no I, doubt that it's well made. I think that's a, I think in a, in a surface sense that if you didn't if you weren't if you weren't like in, uh, nine or ten years old in the early 1980s, then some of the stuff is going to seem, uh, I guess, less familiar. Some of the aesthetic mm-hmm. choices and but thus I think, odd, yeah, a little strange. But yes. I think uh, once I think that's just on the surface. Once you get through it, it's it's a really mm-hmm. good coming of age film. Are you call me a liar. 
No. <laughs> I'm, uh, He's calling you stupid. I'm, I'm convincing you. This just got. This just got weird. <laughs> <laughs> did, it get, did it get real yet? <laughs> no, that's around are, the bend. We are a long way off from it getting real. <laughs> we have stopped being polite, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we have stopped being polite. My other <laughs> dated reference. <laughs> they talk about how old I am. <laughs> the real world. What? What's that anymore? Um, but uh, well, speaking of Scott Pilgrim and Com- I was Tyler and I were both at Comic Con, but I was at the panel for a new film that's going to be coming out next year, I guess, called Paul, which is written by mm-hmm. uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and directed by Superbad's Greg Matola. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm very excited to see those sort of uh, sensibilities mesh. I'm very excited to see what Simon Pegg and Nick Frost do without Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. right? And and to see uh, just the marriage of of their thing with Greg Matola's thing. What if it's like that uh, run, fat boy run? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> that see that. that. Called? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see um, it. Nor did I see uh, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though there was a huge billboard of Megan Fox above my oh, old apartment yeah, for, uh, yeah, for yeah. months. Um, I Yeah, when I heard who was going to be in, Paul, uh, I, I got a little less excited about it because I thought, it again, it felt like, Oh, this is a big party for these guys, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't know how much that is going to translate. Are, are you trying not to name names specifically here? To I, well, because I can't remember them. But <laughs> oh, but, right. I, but it, it was like it was a usual suspects kind of thing in my mind. It's, I remember like Bill Hader is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but Seth Rogen does the voice of the alien. But right. he's, uh, we might be able to avoid some of that sort of laddishness because he's not in the room with them at the time. Speaking of Bill Hader, I uh-huh. want to say the funniest movie I've seen. In a long time, where I laughed out loud at a movie, was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I was going to mention that. That was on my list. Uh, at the end of last year, I did a, a post for the blog mm. on my the basically the uh, the three funniest movies of 2009 mm-hmm. and the way that they're all completely different ways of funny. And they were The mm-hmm. Hangover, In the Loop, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the three funniest movies of last year. It was a funny it, movie. Yes. I could not. I could not believe it. It was. It really. I, I laughed. I never laugh out loud at things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's an occupational hazard that it's like, I it, it, things have to really um, uh, take me by surprise. You know, mm-hmm. because uh-huh. part of my job is the formula. So know? these few times during this recording that I've made a joke and you've laughed, that's all bullshit. No, look, <laughs> you're talking in conversation. That makes me laugh okay. because okay. it's not like it's when it's it's the construct. It's because right. I I I am behind the curtain as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, the stuff that does make me laugh is in conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know what people are going to say. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? But it's like anytime it's a it's a written thing. It's like I'm thinking. I a lot of times I'm thinking. That could have been funnier if they said this, mm-hmm. or that's just a ri- that. that is actually just a variation on this other joke that's kind of floating around, or mm. that's a hack joke that everybody uses, you know, that kind of uh-huh. thing. And it kind of sucks, you know, because I would like to be laughing at movies all the time. <laughs> but um, I uh, that movie really uh, it surprised me so many times. Yeah. Really funny jokes, mm. and especially stuff that you don't expect from a kids' movie at yeah. all. And, but I think that's you know? why because. Yeah. Uh, they, the people backing the movie want something for kids. Uh, and I had a second thing a second ago. I already forgot what it was because we've been mm-hmm. distracted by people walking through the apartment. They live here. <laughs> well, one of them does. One of them lives here. Um, but yeah, I, I just think they they could get away with uh, being completely absurd mm-hmm. because yeah. it, it, it fulfills these sort of uh, qualifications of being a kid's movie and do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of my favorite bits is... Everyone, it's a it's a it's a montage. Oh, of everyone okay, good, turning yes. around and gasping. Yeah, and one guy 
pulls off his beard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It was and hilarious. Then, and then he has the beard on for the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As if it were real. Yeah. It's very strange. They said, why not? But then there's also things that, that what really surprised me was there were performance moments mm-hmm. that made me laugh. Uh-huh. That you don't actually get a lot in a kid's film, in an animated no. film. Mm-hmm. You really don't get that much, you know? Like, you will get plenty of sight gags and everything, um, and plenty of very cleverly constructed Rube Goldbergian, you know, kind of moments in that. But you don't get things like... Uh, uh, the the girl asks uh, Bill Hader's character, "Can you keep a secret?" And he goes, "No," <laughs> like that. And it's that's such a uh, it's a really specific and funny mm. choice. Uh-huh. And also, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. That anybody were anybody would respond <laughs> no to that question, <laughs> much less in this situation in this movie. You know, yeah. stuff like that. A- really, another another really thing in the movie is when uh, when when Brent like. Takes control and he, and he and he steps into the chicken's body and he's he makes a joke. I'm no longer yeah. baby Brent. I'm chicken Brent. Mm-hmm. But then, like ten minutes later in the film, there's a very sincere moment. Will we'll, we'll, Bill Hader says, "You did it, chicken Brent." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because the characters themselves are committing to the reality that they're in, and yeah. just well, he wants to be called Chicken Brent, and he yeah. is in a giant. Uh, the chicken Brent part freaked me out a little bit because you oh, think yeah. of how hot He's and sticky a, it is inside the. It was weird, constantly and gross, yeah. yes, very gross. Absolutely. It was unnerving. Yeah, it was unnerving. <laughs> which is the, which is one of the quotes you'll never see on the DVD uh, for <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Unnerving, unnerving <laughs> says uh, Joel Siegel. But did you see um, uh, in the loop? I did see in the loop. That mm-hmm. was also on my list. Of the I had a problem movies. with in the loop. What was really? that? Which is the character that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. The cursing Scottish guy. Malcolm. Um, my problem with the character of Malcolm is that he's constantly threatening people, uh-huh. but he's never making good on any threats. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like it became irritating to me. And every <laughs> and everybody I know loved this movie and thought it was really clever and everything, but I I, I was distracted by that and I couldn't get off it. Well, you know what I mean, and it's not. And I, I'm not even going to say that's a flaw in the filmmaking. I'm saying that's a thing that I became hung, I became hung up on, and I couldn't get off of. But I think mm. it's actually completely intentional, and it pays off when he finally has the 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 like face to face threaten off mm-hmm. with James Gandolfini, mm-hmm. and nothing happens. I think that's the moment you're supposed to realize it's supposed to, uh, that it's been like this all along for a reason because he is all bluster, right? Yeah. And so I, I think it's intentional. But I. I Maybe I wanted more peaks and valleys with that performance, mm-hmm. you know, because it was at 11 the whole time. Right? Yeah. And I can't remember a moment where he kind of took it down a little bit. Um, it just seemed like everywhere, every room he entered, he was going to be yelling at somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the the uh, I had seen a couple episodes of the TV show. I think I'd mm-hmm. seen like half a dozen of them. I don't know if they did more than that, actually. I no, they forget. did. They it's did They did three series did, and two oh, okay. specials. So there's, okay. I think there's 18 episodes and a couple hour yeah. long series. So I think I saw a, a season of it. And, and uh, you know, it just warned me after a while. It's, it's, um, it's when character comedy uh, um, is, re- is reduced to one characteristic. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's when I that's when I kind of check out. But well, I will say did. this: I'm a huge comedy snob. I'm yeah. really I'm a huge comedy snob. My, I'll, I'll say this for in the loop: it did suffer from the thing that often happens when you take a TV show and make a movie of it. Is that uh, I mean, Malcolm's in the TV show too, but he's not 
as central a part of the TV show. He's, he mm-hmm. comes in every once in a while, and mm-hmm. he's like a, a garnish to the scene, where it's, right. it's really about this uh, this minister most mm-hmm. of the time. And it's sort of like uh, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie did the same thing, mm-hmm. um, which was let's find all let's find a way to use. Uh, you know the Moon Knights and the uh, Ghost of Christmas Past and the Future, mm-hmm. and and try and find a way to use as many of these as possible. Which I think, although I'll say the way they used the Ghost of Christmas Past and the Future was actually very clever in the movie, but it seemed like a lot of the uh, favorites from Aqua Teen the series were cram- were crammed in yeah. there just just to pay off. And it's actually one and of the I, only overall overall I like the Aqua Teen movie. Mm-hmm. All right, fa- okay, fa- oh, fair enough. No, you're on record. I, I think it was kind of their last. Gasp of being good. Like they're mm. still making episodes. I think. Which are they really? Yes, they are. I was in one of them. Which one oh, wow. were you? Oh, you uh, were in a recent one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have said that then. <laughs> That's quite all right. <laughs> that one was good though. That one was pretty. I, I honestly haven't watched it in a few um, years. <laughs> but the actually, um, I think that's I think that's the problem with uh, something like. Uh, they're I just going realized to that was insulting too, saying I hadn't watched it. In a few years. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't watch. You it really shouldn't have interrupted You're me, David. To not watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was starting to talking, and then you interrupted me to s- insult him as much as possible. Um, but, but I mean, uh, it's a show that you clearly did for free out of the kindness of your heart because you believe <laughs> in the Aqua Teen name so much. Yeah, no exactly. question about it. Um, but I think that's actually the problem with. Uh, the fact that um, now, David, I don't think you ever saw Tropic Thunder, did you? No, I didn't. Did you see Tropic Thunder? I did. I did a behind the scenes of Tropic Thunder. Did you really for Comedy Central? Yes, I did. All right, I then. got to go to Hawaii to do that. Nice. It was kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, did you feel like you were somehow tricking Comedy Central? Uh, just like, oh uh, no, absolutely no. I guess I'll I just that go they to were Hawaii. Tricking me? Oh, okay, what fair am enough. Am I going to get was that murdered one of those on this <laughs> island? Uh, the, the real comedy yes. things? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I used to have to close caption those. When oh, I, really? I, I used to do closed captioning for about a year, and uh, anything that's remotely funny is not funny at all when you have to watch it <laughs> three seconds oh, at no. a time. What about no, no, no. Uh, Witless Protection? Yeah, I closed captioned every second of Witless Protection. <laughs> every <laughs> protection again. <laughs> that's the second Larry the Cable Guy movie. Oh, and that's uh, the second Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> at first, there was Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> Health Inspector. Health Inspector. Yes. When he was wearing two hats, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, they cut out the Larry the Cable Guy <laughs> name from it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was witless protection. And then there was Delta Farce, which oh, had the I whole about blue that. collar. Does that count? What was that? Does that count as a Larry the Cable Guy movie? I would say a vehicle. It is a vehicle for Larry the Cable Guy. Right, right. Um, but Tropic Thunder, there's a character played by Tom Cruise named Les Grossman, who is... I've so said it, funny. I've said it before... Are you being sarcastic? I am being very sarcastic. <laughs> okay, because I think the writing of the character is very funny yeah. if anyone else played him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then when Tom Cruise plays him, then the joke becomes, it's Tom Cruise in yeah. makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, if, if you'd put like Paul Giamatti in this thing, it would have yeah. been dynamite. Or Absolutely. like Danny DeVito or something. Um, but then, of course, Les Grossman was such the breakout star of the film. Robert Downey Jr., of course, as well. But uh, everyone's like, oh, this character is just so crazy that now he's getting his own film. And it's like, oh, oh that's r- nuts. That's ridiculous. Even that's if you love that character, terrible that's mistake. Horrible well, mistake. Well, no one loves that character. People, I know a lot of people uh, that really enjoy who? it. Eh, ben Stiller? <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Cruise. Those, those two. <laughs> the thing for me about, about stuff like that is, is it's being willing to be funny is not the same as being funny. <laughs> and that's what happens with, uh, with, uh, with lead actors, you know, mm-hmm. men and women, um, who uh, dabble in comedy from time to time that uh, because they, they don't have a facility with being funny verbally. That's mm-hmm. why in every romantic comedy, um, when they try to make the, 
the girl funny, they have her mm-hmm. falling down all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a pretty person who's not funny, you mm-hmm. know, and they don't know what to do with them because they're not funny verbally. So it's like, ugh, I don't know, just have them fall down. Well, I've seen that in commercials for romantic comedies before. Yeah. Isn't that what uh, <laughs> makes a woman funny? Falling down? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who laughs at that? Who laughs at a woman falling down? <laughs> Demented. <laughs> Although Tina Fey is funny when she uh, does like physical comedy on uh, 30 Rock. Because she's but a funny person. She's a funny person. She's yeah. a funny person. Uh, that's something we t- she's not just going to go, whoa, and fall down. <laughs> which is like, how many trailers have you seen that have contained right. that yeah. in well, the speaking last of 10 years? Tina Fey in those trailers, the Mean Girls trailer, is good a good, as good a trailer, or as good a movie as Mean Girls ended up being, yeah. the trailer was Lindsay Lohan falling into a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> which which stuck out like a sore thumb. It, you could tell like the 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 studio itself was just like uh, this thing's a little too wordy. Yeah. Uh, can we have someone a woman falling down, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how people know it's a comedy. But yeah. that's an, before we wrap up, that's something that I wanted to talk about back at the beginning of this the actual movie section of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you mentioned about how much of these are about guys, about you know yeah. both both the Apatow and the. Uh, Farrell McKay things are very guy centric, and I think mm. especially the appetizers are about dudes, right? Yeah, you know, which is like a, a certain type of humor that lads, yeah, yeah, <laughs> blokes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it definitely is like. Uh, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But it's but I feel like there is like a minor distinction. You yeah, know? right. Yeah, but I'm just what I'm saying is that I just like to see more comedies about women starring women who are funny because I know yeah. I. I go to a lot of comedy shows. There's a lot of funny women out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. The one that Kristen Wiig wrote that's, I think, in production right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's She's called, very funny. I'm a big Bridesmaids, fan. Bridesmaids, or am yeah. I thinking of something else? Is that... But, like, that's the thing is, aside no from... Answer. I can't I can't. I don't remember. know. I, I, can't remember. Okay. I don't know if I ever knew the title of it, but I know the movie you're talking about. Yeah, I, I'm but looking yeah, forward to that. I would like that. that to be funny. I'm hoping it will be the saving grace. No yeah. pressure, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you making reference to the film Saving Grace with... Brenda, Brenda Blethyn. Blethyn. Yeah. That was Craig Ferguson. Fine. Craig Ferguson. Pot pot movie. Um, but the <laughs> <A> uh, weird <laughs> subgenre. <laughs> well, that was also part of the weird jo- subgenre of small English town yeah. Yeah. does something crazy so, to yeah. band Quaint. together. Exactly. Like Englishman came up a hill. What is it called? And went down a mountain. Right. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Calendar Girls. Divine. Calendar Girls. Yeah. Waking, Waking Man Divine. Divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Waking Man Divine. Irish. Gallipoli. Irish. Okay, fair enough. Gallipoli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, straw dogs. Um, but the... Uh, um, yeah, and actually, I saw the movie um, Baby Mama. Uh, I didn't Which see had uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, and I don't think they were responsible for any of the writing. I think they were just uh, uh, actresses. And, and, uh, and I they imagine were, they took a pass at it. Uh, more than likely, yes. Mm. And I could see I them. I bet there were some tweaks, know. yeah. And... Uh, and I remember it being actually uh, very funny, how, or moments were very funny. Uh, but what frustrated me, because I'm a big fan of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, uh, is that some of the, f- probably the funniest moments in the film were given to Steve Martin. <laughs> and I remember being like, ah, man, Steve Martin's very funny, don't get me wrong. But I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> and he's really funny in the movie. But it just like, ah, you could have taken some of comedy with him yeah. giving it to like these funny women but i, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. i feel like it's uh i guess we could at some point get into you know the sexism involved in uh in hollywood but we don't have time for that david we and had jen kirkman <laughs> on the show exactly. we talked yeah, about yeah, it. yeah we got it so she she weighed in 
But uh, and and I before we before we uh, wrap up, I could see you ramping up, and I didn't want to. I was I was, I was ramping up to the wrap up. Exactly, it was a wrap up ramp up. Wrap up ramp up. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks for listening, everyone. No, um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I am I am excited about uh, as you mentioned, like the next step in like the comedy evolution, because I think the Apatow thing was so exciting for people because they saw like oh like real characters mm-hmm. that I'm on board with and that I sympathize with even if I don't like them completely mm-hmm. and I'm invested in them uh but then sure enough you know Hollywood kind of killed that a little bit and now I think Edgar Wright is doing the next thing where you know I care about the characters in Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead and Scott mm-hmm. Pilgrim but it's it's just the the films are just so original and and I and so vibrant and 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 it actually brings a great deal of filmmaking skill yeah. to the films themselves. My, uh, yeah. To sound like a snob, I feel like time will be a lot kinder to Edgar Wright than we than people currently are. Because mm. I think it mm-hmm. will take some distance to realize just the the levels at which he was working. Yeah, because yeah. it's not just it, it is spoof and it's uh, thematically very rich. Yeah, and he's a he's a filmmaker that uses. Because I feel like most comedy, for the most part, is reliant completely on the actors and the writing, which there's nothing wrong with. But Edgar Wright realizes just how comedic potential there is in editing. Mm-hmm. And so he will sometimes, especially in, in Scott Pilgrim, but I recently watched Hot Fuzz. There's plenty of that in there as well. Just how quickly like an abrupt cut to this other thing can just be like the funniest thing in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm excited to see. And yeah, Scott Pilgrim didn't do well, but I think... Yeah. I think that's something the kids in the hall got better at in later seasons. Is that's really true. figuring out how to use the camera yeah. and the editing oh, bay. Did you really see funny. their miniseries? I haven't seen it. It's so good. Oh, is it? it is it's good. So good. I'm, I'm so I was so worried. Yeah, it and it's, I'm so glad that they did that instead of doing another movie or trying mm-hmm. sketch again. That mm-hmm. that because they've done those things, and it's mm-hmm. like, why not try something? You know, we're all funny. Why not try something we haven't done before? It's it, it's it's. I loved it. I absolutely. What is, loved it. what is it specifically? I, I thought death, it was Death uh, Comes to Town. It's yeah. called. Hmm. It's a miniseries for a Canadian TV that uh, they aired here on IFC, um, and it's them playing multiple characters. Okay, it's it's hilarious. It's oh, if man. you're if you're a comedy geek, IFC is reinventing itself as the home yeah, of the yeah, comedy yeah. geeks because yeah. um, they're going to be showing the. Uh, the David Cross British thing that I mm. can never remember the long the name increasingly of. Increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret, which is irritating to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, there's the, they're doing the uh, the Onion thing, uh, the Onion yes. News Network. Yeah, yeah. They're giving um, Variety Shack, which is a, yeah. a, I guess a sketch oh, group in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are the, the Andrea Rosen? That's some funny ladies. Yeah, they're yeah, giving yeah, them yeah, a show. Yeah. Are the whitest kids you know on IFC? Or did yeah, they, they were on IFC. Yeah. Okay, uh, I don't done? know if they're still around. That might be done. Yeah. On IFC. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean them as a team. But anyway. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Paul, did you have any uh, final thoughts on the state of film comedy today? Mm. Let's see what's next. September 23rd, 2010. I would like to see what's next. Yeah. I, I would say about uh, the state of film comedy today, I get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us at battleshippretension.com or in iTunes. You can email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast, previously on at previouslyonshow.com. 
or in iTunes. Paul, where can people find you? On they the can find me at paulftompkins.com. I hope you know how to spell my name. You probably don't. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook like everybody else uh, in your family. <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at pftompkins.com. Again, good luck with that spelling. <laughs> and um, uh, if you want to give my podcast a try, it's uh, for free. It comes out uh, once a month. Uh, we'll start coming out with more frequency. The Pod F Tompcast. And it is a, it's a very good podcast, and, and what I Thank you. what I like, uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that, don't get me wrong, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and they all seem to be almost purely conversational, and, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I laugh yeah, absolutely. a lot. But I like that you're doing something different. You're, you know, you've got clips of all, of all different kinds. You've got, like, you know, phone call with uh, Jen Kirkman. You've got mm-hmm. the ongoing It's a friend thing. of the show, Jen Kirkman. What was that? Friend, Friend of, of the, the show. show. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, absolutely. F-O-T-S. Thank you, David. Um, but, uh, oh, FOTS. Yeah, I could save some time. Thank you. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, like, the ongoing thing of the, uh, oh, shoot. No, oh, the, the un- great undiscovered project. Undiscovered project, project yeah. yes. Right. And then the various uh, sketches. And then even your uh, your in-between stuff makes me laugh. <laughs> and it I makes so. you laugh as well, clearly. So. Yes, <laughs> it does. But, uh, and by the way, if people, if you're not following Paul on Twitter, you should be. He's yeah. one of. He's one of our our. Uh, he's a he's a Twitter Twitter laureate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm no Steve Martin. <laughs> Everybody lost their minds when Steve Martin joined Twitter. <laughs> he's not making me laugh any more than anybody else, and less than some. Can you play banjo on Twitter? How about it? <laughs> but uh, and then also, of course, there are. Uh, we talked about uh, Andy Daly's AST Records. Uh, nice album, yeah. but you've got a couple on there as well that are really wonderful. One oh, is, uh, oh shoot, impersonal. 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 I was actually there for the recording of that. You'd think I'd remember. And uh, I was there for the release party. I got it signed. Oh, by did you. you really? Yes, um, that's appropriate. I think, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. You, I think you wrote, uh, David, uh, ten dollars is nothing, so quit acting like such a martyr. <laughs> Why did I write that? <laughs> Were you acting like a martyr for paying $10? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that was just a total attack out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the other the other album, uh, which I know we've been going a little long. You? What was it? No, no, that one I know. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, it's called Freak Wharf. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Wharf. Freak Wharf. Wharf. And, uh, <laughs> and, of course, it is also very good, but also, and if we can talk very slightly, very briefly about this, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, We're you running into the next podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, Josh Fadum has just been waiting outside. Um, but the, uh, you do something a little different with Freak Wharf than, uh, than Impersonal and some of the other stuff where uh, some of it's a little more free-flowing. It's not, su- not all of it is just, you know... Straight up bits, which of course are very funny. I don't mean to sound reductive. No, that, no, but, no. But but, but very uh, but very briefly, my my style started to evolve, and I, mm-hmm. I started to do this thing um, just to kind of uh, uh, warm the audience up for myself, in mm-hmm. essence, to to riff a little bit before I got into the material, um, just to kind of settle on stage and just to have a little fun before um, I started saying things that I had said before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started expanding on that, expanding on that, and. Uh, I left it on the record. I had not intended to to put that on the on hmm. the CD, but enough time had passed since the time it was recorded and the time I listened to it that I I liked it and I I yeah. ran it by the other guys you know the guys at the record label and said am I crazy or does this kind of hold up on its own and mm. they said no it's funny let's let's put it on there 
And that's a big part of the podcast. If you if you download that as the <laughs> the host uh, host segments in between um, yeah. the uh, the the bits is uh, it's just me uh, with a microphone and uh, my uh, musical director producer Eben Schletter playing the piano, and I just riff for uh, for a while, um, and I do not know where my mind is going to take me, and that's why I end up laughing at myself <laughs> because I surprise myself with yeah. uh, the d- ridiculous stuff that comes out of my mouth. It is one of my favorite iTunes comments that we've gotten where that they, they people say like oh clearly they find themselves very funny and i remember thinking like man but what if you didn't like what if <laughs> yeah. you didn't have your sense of yeah, humor yeah, yeah. that'd be the worst <laughs> you're allowed to laugh at something that strikes you as funny yeah that's even if totally allowed even if you happen to say it yeah yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. there's I'm no okay rule against that. it but uh anyway well uh, paul thank you very much for being on the show thank you guys so perhaps we'll have a, have you on again sometime Anytime. mics are rolling it was my ple- <laughs> anytime. It was my pleasure. All right. It did take you a really long time to ask me to be on this show. Yeah, sorry about. We that. We were nervous. We ha- we had to get Jesse Thorne on the show first. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. Of course. We. <laughs> the, the, I mean, he really inspired us to dress better. You know, <laughs> that's what he's about. So. <laughs> And we wanted to establish that way of dressing before we had you on. We didn't no, want to offend you with our shirt sleeves. No, no, no. Everyone <laughs> so. has to find out what to do from Jesse first, and then they're allowed to do it. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.